Hello, hello. Welcome to my podcast, The Imperfect Therapist. That's me. My name is Stephanie Mayberry. I'm a licensed professional counselor and your host. Each week, I'll dive into a topic related to anxiety, perfectionism, or self-love sprinkled in with some of my own life experiences. My goal is to help educate you, inspire you, and empower you to take charge of your healing journey and to learn to love your imperfect self. Let's go. Welcome back, everybody. This week, I am going to be talking about self-compassion and how you can use self-compassion to reduce anxiety. And I think this one is especially an important topic going into the holidays. Self-compassion is such an important and useful tool when it comes to just coping in general with difficult emotions, but anxiety specifically. So, I'll be diving into the construct of self-compassion. I'll share five common myths around self-compassion, what self-compassion actually is, and three ways you can start implementing it into your life. All right, so let's jump right in, and I'm going to start by sharing some common myths around self-compassion. So this is going to be what self-compassion is not. Um, And I think it's important to break down these misconceptions so that you have a really clear picture of what self-compassion actually is versus what it isn't. So first, self-compassion is not self-pity. Self-pity is very different. That is taking on a victim role in your own suffering. That sounds like poor me, I feel so sorry for myself, or showing pity towards others sounds like I feel so sorry for you. Pity is very egocentric, and compassion is not. Compassion makes us actually less self-focused and more connected to others, because compassion allows us not only to see ourselves or others as victims, but rather as imperfect humans, individuals that are going through painful moments. So when you're able to look at yourself or look at others through compassionate eyes, it's easier to offer love and support and to be helpful. Okay, self-compassion is not selfish. So Self-compassion actually makes us more able to give to others and to sustain giving to others without burning out. Being gentle and showing kindness to yourself is truly important. And it is absolutely not selfish to make sure that you are taking care of yourself, prioritizing your own needs, because if we're not doing that, then we are more likely to get burnt out and then we're not able to be very compassionate towards others, right? So again, self-compassion is not selfish. Self-compassion is not self-indulgent. Self-compassion, I think people associate that also with self-care and 
kind of, again, like that self-indulgence, but that is not what true self-care is. True self-compassion or self-care is not taking a bubble bath or going to get your nails done. Those things are nice and they might help our mood in that moment, right? But um, true self-care is not self-indulgent. It means rather that we are taking care of ourselves by for instance, going to therapy to take care of our mental health or going to the doctor to take care of our physical health or exercising or eating nutritiously or setting boundaries. That is what true self-care or self-compassion looks like. Self-compassion does not undermine motivation. There's a myth that self-compassion can make us more passive or amotivated, and that's just not the case. So think of think of it this way. We feel motivated when others are rooting for us and cheering us on versus when we're being yelled at to do something or criticized, right? So self-compassion works exactly the same. Being on your own team, having your own back, rooting for yourself actually increases that intrinsic motivation. All right, and the last myth that I'm going to bust is that self-compassion makes us weak because we associate that with being soft, but that is absolutely not the case. Self-compassion is not just soft. Sometimes it's giving yourself that tough love. And an example of self-compassion that is backed by research um, is with post-war veterans. So combat veterans that were self-compassionate and showed themselves more kindness and support towards their incredible trauma that they've endured were actually less likely to develop PTSD versus the ones who were hard on themselves or critical or cold and shameful of themselves for the things that they did or experienced in combat. So being an enemy to yourself actually weakens you if you think about that, right? It does, doesn't strengthen you. So this myth is completely wrong. Self-compassion does not make you weak. Self-compassion actually makes you a stronger person. So now let's talk about what self-compassion is. So having compassion for oneself is really no different than having compassion for, for others. So think about what the experience of compassion feels like. First, to have compassion for others, you have to notice that they are suffering, right? If you ignore the homeless person on the street, you can't feel compassion for how difficult their experience is. Compassion involves feeling moved by others suffering so that your heart responds to their pain. The word compassion actually means to suffer with. So when this occurs, you feel warmth and caring and the desire to help a suffering person in some way, and that is having compassion. It means that you're offering understanding and kindness to others when they fail or make mistakes rather than judging them harshly. So self-compassion is doing the same thing. It's offering ourselves understanding and ourselves kindness when we fail or make mistakes rather than judging ourselves 
critically or harshly. And maybe more importantly is that having self-compassion means that you are honoring and accepting your imperfectness, your humanness, accepting that things will not always go the way you want them to. You will encounter frustrations, losses, you will make mistakes, we will have limitations and shortcomings, and this is all part of the human condition. This is a reality that is shared by everyone. Everybody has some kind of suffering at some point in their lives. So the more that you are able to kind of open your heart to this reality instead of fighting against that, the more you are able to feel compassion for yourself and for other people as well. So if you are someone who struggles with anxiety or perfectionism, you are most likely someone who also struggles with a very harsh inner critic, that inner voice that puts you down, calls you names, judges you harshly when you don't meet expectations or when you do make a mistake. I know that when I'm highly anxious, I am very guilty of being really critical of myself and harsh on myself. I kind of think um, in the questions of, you know, what's wrong with me? Why am I like this? Will I ever be good enough, etc. And kind of to go along with that, if you're someone with perfectionism, you tend to have very high standards and high expectations that are only met with great difficulties. So that inner critic as a perfectionist shows up even more and even more harshly and, you know, in extreme cases can lead to self-hatred. So that is where self-compassion then comes into play. Self-compassion is really the antidote for self-criticism. So if you want to start practicing self-compassion, there are three components that kind of contribute to it. And I'm going to explain those three components a little bit more thoroughly so that you have the best understanding of self-compassion and how you can implement this in your life. So the first component of self-compassion is mindfulness. And mindfulness is being aware of the present. It's maintaining a moment-by-moment -moment awareness of our thoughts, feelings, bodily sensations, our surrounding environment through a gentle and nurturing lens. Mindfulness involves acceptance, meaning that we pay attention to our thoughts and our feelings in a non-judgmental way. We do that without believing that there's a right or wrong way to think or feel in any given moment. So when we are feeling really anxious, that inner critic or inner voice has that tendency to kind of say, well, I shouldn't be feeling this way or why am I feeling this way? But mindfulness 
is accepting that. It does not mean that you agree with everything that is happening to you or that you like feeling difficult emotions, but acceptance means simply that you are accepting what you feel without judgment. You accept what is happening rather than trying to run away from it or fight against it or deny it, push it down, or even attempt to be someone that you are not. So again, mindfulness is really non-judgmental acceptance of our feelings and emotions, whether those are, you know, good or difficult, uncomfortable emotions. And it's really how we confront emotions even or allow ourselves to be vulnerable and real in our own experiences is through mindfulness. So then the next component of self-compassion is common humanity. And this is the idea that we are not alone in our suffering and we don't have to suffer alone. It's acknowledgement that suffering is a normal part of being a human. Every human endures challenges, mistakes, difficult times, imperfect experiences. This helps us feel connected with others rather than feeling alone or isolated. So the idea that suffering is common among humanity helps shift the mindset that from I'm, you know, the only one experiencing this to I know I'm not alone in this. I know that other people are experiencing what I am. And again, that helps us relate to others, helps us feel connected with others rather than alone and isolated. And the third component then of self-compassion and probably the most important is self-kindness. When you are an anxious person, you are hyper aware hypersensitive, that makes us more susceptible to, again, that inner critic, that self-criticism. So self-kindness is most important, and this is why. If you feel anxious, you are human, and being human means being vulnerable and messy and intense and even confusing. At times, our emotions don't make logical sense to us, especially anxiety sometimes, right? It comes out of nowhere, doesn't make sense, it's irrational, it's illogical, and it's confusing. And those emotions feel really overwhelming and hard to deal with. But remember that no one can control their emotions. Emotions come in waves and move through us, they rise and fall, and sure, there are things that we can do to help ride out those waves, like keeping a balanced perspective on things, using helpful coping strategies, using mindfulness to accept and sit with feelings versus pushing them away, but beating yourself up for something you can't control really doesn't make sense, but a lot of us do it. 
And not only do we sometimes experience difficult emotions like anxiety, panic, frustration, embarrassment, but then we also feel bad about those feelings, right? Again, what's wrong with me? Why am I feeling this way? Get it together. Snap out of it, right? And this type of self-judgment adds a whole nother layer of suffering and it can feel like somehow that we are failing or we're weak or defective. So instead of mercilessly judging and criticizing yourself for various inadequacies or shortcomings, self-compassion means that you are kind and understanding towards yourself when confronted with personal failings, whether those are reality or perceived, right? It's the idea that you treat yourself the way that you would treat a family member or a friend or that you talk to yourself even the way you would a friend or a family member. And the easiest way I can encourage you to practice self-kindness is to think about it that way is, you know, if my very best friend or the person I trust the most, person I'm closest with, if they were experiencing this the way that I am right now, what would I say to that person, right? You would probably approach that person with non-judgment. You would show kindness and understanding. You would do whatever ever you can to help them through it and support them. And I guess if you don't have supportive people in your life, then maybe think about what you would want to hear from someone. But again, self-kindness is just that. It's being kind and gentle with ourselves instead of harsh and critical. So how can you use these three components to implement this in your life? So I'm going to just walk through an example of what this might look like. So first, it, let's say you are experiencing a panic attack or just high anxiety. First step would be practice that mindfulness. Acknowledge that pain or discomfort that you are feeling. And that might sound like, you know, in this moment, I am feeling really anxious, but that's okay. I know that these feelings will eventually pass. You're accepting those feelings. You're labeling it for what it is. You're not pushing it away. You're not wishing it away. You're just allowing it to be. Second, you might acknowledge your connectedness to others. And that might sound like, you know, I know that so many other people are struggling with anxiety. I know this friend or this family member also struggles with anxiety. You know, maybe I can share this experience with that person. Maybe I can connect with others from from this experience or because of what I'm feeling right now. So again, acknowledge your con connectedness to others. And then lastly, show yourself that kindness. Be gentle with yourself. Be understanding of yourself versus being harsh and critical. And so what that might look like is maybe 
putting your hand over your heart or on your stomach if you're feeling anxious and just telling yourself, asking yourself, may I be kind to myself in this moment? And maybe you follow that up with some sort of affirmation, right? I am doing my best, um, something along those lines. So again, acknowledge what you're feeling, acknowledge that you are not alone, and then be kind to yourself. Say something that is supportive and gentle and nurturing to yourself. And that is the best way to practice self-compassion. And to finish this up, I just want to share the benefits of self-compassion. So self-compassion helps you to be more vulnerable and authentic when we're accepting and gentle towards ourselves. That opens the door for self-love and self-acceptance. And we, when we accept ourselves, we're able to be more vulnerable and authentic out in the world and with our relationships. Self-compassion builds resilience, so it helps us to recognize and move through those difficult emotions and experiences. It helps us to manage and overcome anxiety instead of getting stuck in those cycles, right? Self-compassion reduces isolation it increases that sense of connectedness and it helps improve our relationship with others. When we are less critical of ourselves, we're less likely to be critical of others. So there we have it. That wraps up the episode for today on self-compassion. So I would encourage and challenge anyone listening to practice those three steps, especially with the holiday weekend coming up. If you are a person who is maybe maybe struggling this holiday or in a season of suffering, of anxiety, depression, whatever that may, may be, please try to implement self-compassion as much as possible. I know it is not easy to do, but the more that you can practice that, the more of a habit that it becomes. And self-compassion really is an antidote to overcoming anxiety and depression even as well. So um, take care. I will see everybody next week. And your weekly reminder that you are imperfect, but you are worthy right now in this moment, just the way you are.